a new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Grab your pitchfork, light your torch, and get ready for inciting a riot. Conventional thinking has been warned. Because we're going to gather and we're going to march and we're going to blow its fucking house down. Hello, rioters, and welcome back to Inciting a Riot, the podcast. I would be your left-wing, dirt-worshipping host, Firelight. I know that it's been a minute since we've talked, but, you know, nothing goes on in the world in December and January. Anyways, absolutely nothing. It's just a fun, low-key time where nobody does anything and we're all just chill, right? Uh, so... <laughs> I was busy, you were busy, life was happening. Anyways, here's the show. Uh, welcome back to Inciting a Riot, the podcast. I would be your left-wing dirt-worshipping host, Firelight. Today is episode 127, Inciting a Psychic Riot. This has been kind of a topic that I have toyed around with doing in lots of different ways, in lot with, you know, different combinations of maybe some guests or not guests or experts or not experts or something like that, you know, throughout um, the years, the almost 10 years of doing this show. And uh, I, I never really found a good in uh, to, to talking about uh, psychic abilities and uh, services and what it's like to be a professional psychic until, thank you, my good buddy, uh, John Oliver over at uh, last week tonight. He's just, we're good friends. We just, yeah, John, 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 shh, I'm trying to do a show. Stop. Okay, stop. Sorry, he's here. He's very excited I'm talking about him. Um, anyways, John Oliver from last week tonight, uh, two weeks ago now, did a show where, for some strange reason, out of left field that I couldn't quite figure out, um, <laughs> a lot of pagans couldn't quite figure out either, he decided to do uh, a main segment regarding being a professional psychic. Um, and I thought, hey, I know some professional psychics. I'd like to do a follow-up show. <laughs> So today, I am very, very, very excited to have Courtney Weber, Hoover, Courtney, I should have asked, oh my gosh, Courtney, are you there? I'm here, this it's Courtney Weber. Courtney Weber. <laughs> my, when I put your name into places, your name just yeah, comes that's up. Right. It's like Courtney Weber, Hoover, Jack, John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt, and I was like, oh gosh, I should have asked this question before the show. I know, but well, yeah. 
That's okay. No, it's uh, now, but yeah, um, Courtney Weber is my maiden name, and I started writing with that name before I got married, so I, I still use that one publicly. Um, and Hoover is my legal name, so if you're paying me, you got to write Hoover on the check. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but and uh, and then you know, for Facebook, it 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 confuses everybody that I've got both names up there, but it keeps my mother-in-law happy, so we're good. <laughs> I just have my checks made out to Lady Gaga, um, so. Uh, Courtney, um, why do I have you on the show? You're a professional psychic. Is this, is this right? Do you make money from being a psychic? Uh, what, what, what is your background in the intersection of psychic and professional? Yes. So I'm a professional tarot reader. I call myself a tarot advisor, although my, my readings do involve psychic work. I, I have not advertise myself as a psychic it is um just the clientele base that i that that word will draw um when i when i advertise myself as a tarot advisor i find that people that come to me are more invested in manifesting their own changes in their life and they just want some guidance or they just want some further information um when you simply list yourself as a psychic you sometimes get you get more people that are looking to um to receive information or to find out about a destiny and they're not quite as they tend to not be as as to um to to offer agency over themselves so that's been something i've experienced as as i've been doing this professionally and i have been doing this professionally for about how old am i now um <laughs> about 15 years and yeah so it it started um reading terrible longer than that um i started when i was a teenager just messing around with the cards as i've told people when you go to a catholic school and you read tarot you're suddenly the most popular girl in the catholic school because everybody wants their tarot read and you know as a teenager popularity was very important to me so i was all about reading the for all the girls and some of the boys too and when it was when i moved to new york city and a friend of mine was going through a divorce and she had absolutely no money that i put out uh uh, a little mess on a local art, like, artist message board that was part of back in the day when we used message boards and said, Hey, I'm doing readings for $20 at this bar. To, if anybody wants to come, I'm sending the money to a friend of mine who needs some help. And people came and I made a little money and I sent it to my friend. And then all of those people started telling their friends about this tarot reading they got. And so I started getting people coming to me and you know, it, where they were willing to pay. And, um, I realized something is that it wasn't just about me wanting to receive the money, although it was helpful. I was living in New York City at the time, and anytime you can make extra money when you're living there is very helpful. Um, but I also found that people were more comfortable taking my time if they could offer something in return. When I was in college, I wouldn't take money for readings, and people really felt weird about that. So they gave me wine instead, which meant my readings, I don't even know what I said a lot of the time to those poor people who were paying me with alcohol. I have <laughs> um, been doing paganism that, that wrong this whole felt... time. Uh, you mean I could have been getting free wine this know, whole time? Right? <laughs> God, that was not oh, in the yes. handbook. Yes. When I signed the devil's no, book, this no was not part book. of it. I didn't even sign the devil's book. I actually wrote the devil's book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's I, how that got started. And, um, 
as I started getting, you know, I actually got, became more professional in response to the people who were coming to me. It's that they were taking, people were coming to me with very serious matters. And so I needed to take myself more seriously. You know, I was in the underground art scene and where nothing was sacred, everything, the profane was, was the sacred thing, if that makes any sense. And so to take yourself seriously was, was really, counterintuitive to the kind of art I was making, but I realized I needed, I had a dream that, um, that I was, that I was, um, wearing a, um, a priestess crown and it was on crooked. And then it, I looked at it and it said, I really need to straighten this out. And that dream to me said it was really time for me to take, um, my work seriously, not just as much for myself, but really on behalf of the people that were coming to me. And then over the years, um, as I started meeting more people who did psychic work professionally and, um, you know, my life required extra cash at times. Um, when my husband first moved to New York City and we were living together, um, we went, we fell on some incredibly hard economic times. Um, he was struggling to find work and, and trying to make that very clear, but the, the market was, you know, shutting him out at every turn. And I was in a very rocky um, employment situation that we didn't know how long it would last. So I would come home from work and read tarot to help make some money. And then I eventually did lose the job that I had. Tarot was our only income for a period of time. And so it was um, uh, it was really crucial that I, I was paying uh, for this. I mean, I, I hear a lot of people express concern about um, the uh, about people getting money for, um, for psychic services. And one of the reasons we opened up about me doing this podcast was because of the blog I wrote in response to John Oliver. And I noticed some of the comments said, said only the only fraudulent psychics are people that charge for it. And I felt that was equally unfair. Um, a couple of, a couple of years ago, I had a friend who he himself had some pretty hard economic times so much so that he told me, that he only had $1 per day to spend on food and he would buy one cup of ramen and eat it at midday. And I said, well, this is ridiculous. And so I, I contacted our circle of friends and I said, let's help him get back on his feet. Let's, you know, bring him some food, give him some cash, whatever we need just to make sure he's got some money, you know, from some food for a while. And then um, he was very thankful for the help. But then the next day he told me he'd been reading tarot every night at this bar downtown, but he wasn't accepting any money from it. And I got really angry with him. I said, listen, you know, you are spending this time help, like you want to help other people. You're spending this time doing this for with people who could pay you, but you're not, you're refusing to accept the money, you're starving yourself. And therefore you're relying on other people to make up that difference. So we're having to raid our resources to help you because you refuse to ask for resources of other people that you're working for. You know, it would be really wonderful if we had a society where if you were a psychic, you could, you know, do your work and people could just house you and clothe you and feed you. But it's not that kind of world. And, you know, this world, like it or not, still runs on cash and you have to have it. <laughs> and so if this is one of the skills that you have and you need to make some money, I mean, people have been paying psychics and witches and healers since the beginning of time, one way or another, the only thing that's changed is the currency. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad that, um, you know, you, you are, are so very open and frank about, 
uh, you know, declaring that if you are putting a service out there that it is worthy of uh, charging for. Um, you know, and obviously we'll get into some of the, the finer points of navigating, uh, you know, doing that with scruples. Um, but I want to back up for a second here and define some terms. So, uh, you know, John Oliver seemed to really focus on the idea of being a psychic. Uh, so I kind of want to hear from you, a psychic. Uh, what's the difference? What, what is being psychic? What is a psychic? Yeah, I believe everybody is a psychic. I think that, um, psychic abilities is to, to the tech, I guess the technical term would be, would it, would mean to know something, have knowledge of something innately that you have no concrete way of knowing. So for example, just knowing, um, knowing that there will be a calamity that's going to happen without anyone telling you of such a calamity. Now, I believe this is part of human evolution, and I can speak from personal experience. Now, when I was growing up, I would have, um, I've always, most of my psychic moments come to me in dreams. And um, I might dream that a friend of mine was going to come to me with a problem. And Lo and behold, that person would come to me and they would tell me the problem they had, which I had dreamt the night before. And I always thought that was kind of weird and kind of neat. And you can say, well, you just know these people so well, you probably picked up on something. And maybe I did. But what really said to me there's something bigger than just observation going on was just before 9-11. I'll never forget this. It was the most frightening nightmare I've ever had. I dreamt that I was in a city and the people around me were dying and they didn't know it. And so they were walking around covered in blood, waving to talking to me, but they weren't aware of it. And that the city had been attacked by a group of people with a specific agenda of eliminating our country. That was the, that was the message. And I was trying to tell people, this is, a, this is something that's coming. We're going to get hurt. And the people around me just said, oh, well, you know, the United States is horrible. We certainly deserve it. And I said, no, seriously, I'm I'm I am anti what this is. I'm anti Bush. I'm anti this establishment. I absolutely am. But that doesn't matter. The fact that we're going to die. And then in my the last part of my dream, a woman walked up and she said, wear this, you'll be safe. And she put me in a burqa. And I didn't know what a burqa was. Now, I'd seen pictures of the National Geographic. So when I woke up from the dream, I started to try, I actually was living the dream. I started to tell people I've had this horrible dream that something really bad is going to happen and that people want to kill this country. And the people around me said, well, they probably should look at what we've done overseas. And I kept saying, I agree. I'm not saying we don't deserve it. I'm saying we're in danger. And I wore this thing that I saw women wear a National Geographic. And for some reason, that kept me safe. And then within a week, the Twin Towers were hit. And I realized that the people that I'd been dreaming of were people who I knew in life that they were New Yorkers. So the dream had been telling me the attack was coming to New York City. And then as we were learning more about the Taliban and Al-Qaeda, and we were learning that they put women in burqas, that was, that's when I realized, oh my God, I've, I have received a prophecy. I received a prophecy and just like Cassandra, nobody believed me. And I'm thankful at the time. <laughs> that we didn't have social media because my, my 20 year old self would have, um, I mean, my 19 year old self would have written a major post about it and I might have been arrested and people say, what did you know? How did you know this was coming? 
And I truly believe this is not something um, that's supernatural. I believe that this is part of a very innate human evolutionary way of protecting ourselves because our bodies are really not fit for this planet. We don't have fur or claws. We don't see very well. We don't run very fast. Um, we have, we have intellect. That's for sure. But what allowed us to survive long enough to evolve into this intellect? And I believe it's because we would know when something bad was going to happen and that suddenly a mother might have a sense that something isn't right runs and grabs her kid and that kid is being stalked by a saber-toothed tiger. Or, you know, somebody's out in the woods and they're hunting or gathering and thinking, you know what, I think I should bring home a little bit more of this herb. And they come home and they find out that half the village is sick with some kind of with ailment and that herb happens to help them. So I believe this is part of our way of protecting one another. And it's the sense of just knowing that there's danger present because most of the times that psychic dreams are about something is wrong. Something is not okay. Um, although I did have some dreams before my husband proposed to me that were quite lovely where I kept saying that something good is coming. So I don't think it's always a, because of a bad thing, but, um, I do think that, that, um, that was my, my dream of nine 11 was my evolutionary response to danger coming to, my tribe, if you will, which tribe happened to be the United States. So, um, if that makes sense. So I think that, um, so I, I want to, uh, I want to interject here I, because, I, because I know that a lot of, uh, a lot of people, um, have questions about and you've, you've touched on it is, is being psychic, um, something like, a gift, you know, that only some are blessed with, and it seems like you're saying it's not, or a sense, is it, you know, smell, touch, taste, uh, gut feelings about ill omens and portents? <laughs> um, or, or is it like a skill that one can learn? It, um, and, and, and inside of that, I think that the, the, the question is also on a day to day basis, being a professional psychic, is it being more this psychic, this, this, you know, I get dreams of ill omens and portents or, or I get dreams of, you know, this, that, and the other, or I, I have, uh, you know, as you said earlier, I have, uh, knowledge without a concrete, um, way of having known that, uh, is it this or is it somebody being intuitive? Is it somebody just being better skilled at, reading a room or reading, you know, reading, uh, you know, understanding what people are going through right now and what kinds of things might be on somebody's, I mean, you know, is it, is it being an intuitive person or is it being this, is this intuition being something else? Is it this extra natural thing? You know, I think it's more like singing. Anybody is born with a singing voice and some people are born with absolutely exceptional, just born exceptional singing voices. Um, you know, you mentioned Lady Gaga. Now she's an exceptional singer. She really is. Um, I, but at the same time, sometimes some people are born with some raw ability and they need to, they need some training. And so they, once they train, they become very, very good at it. I mean, opera singers, 
um, are born with powerful instruments, but they're not born with the technique to actually do the kind of sing the kind of music they ultimately sing. They have to be trained to take their that ability and turn it into something that is um, that is that instrument for them. Um, and there are some people that you know can wail out one or two good numbers at karaoke, but the rest of the time they're probably not going to be professional singer. And you got some people who can really they can't carry any tune at all but if you get them at the right space they can sing happy birthday to someone we've all and maybe if they did a little more training they could do a little bit better so i do think that there's a combination there um you know when i was um a younger psychic i would my my prophetic moments often came just after injury (laughs) i would get hit by something or i'd fall down a flight of stairs and then all of a sudden i would have this vision so I don't know if if the injury or the pain like took me out of myself for a second so that I could, you know, be open to my own psychic impulses or if it was actually like the spirit world was trying to had to get through my really thick skull. And so um, I actually talked to a psychic about that and she said, well, I think you need to talk with your spirits and say, you got to stop hurting me if you want my attention and you got to work with them on how you can on a, on a better mode of communication. And I said, okay. Um, so I actually told them it's better just to talk to me in dreams, but please stop, please stop pushing me down the stairs every time you need me to know something. <laughs> so, so, and I, and I want to get into that because, you know, being, being pushed down the stairs every time you need to know something or, or going to sleep and, and dreaming something. And I, I, you know, we see that in movies, we read that in books, we've heard that in myth. Several pagan folks have come forward to say it. I, I think, what is it, one in four people believe that uh, uh, psychics are real, or maybe I'm making up a statistic. I know I saw something like this on last week, uh, tonight, but a, a very large percentage of the population uh, believes in psychic gifts and abilities and that people have this. Um, so... I want to ask then, because I know that you said that you are a tarot advisor and that a lot of, a, a lot of professional psychics use tools. They use the tarot. They use the I Ching. They use the, uh, you know, they'll use, uh, Corey over at New World Witchery put out a great book about using playing cards. That was actually how I taught myself, uh, cardamancy as a, a teenager was using playing cards. Some people use dice. Some people use tarot cards. Some people use, you know, water and wax and all sorts of things. So, you know, when you're being a professional psychic, when you're reading for somebody else, obviously, you know, John Smith comes off the street and says, hey, I need to know about my love life. You don't say, okay, I need to go take a nap. <laughs> so uh, my, right. qu- my question is twofold. One, um, because this will get into, I think, being a professional psychic. One, uh, you know, how do you square the circle of... I am, I am a psychic, you know, and this, the experience, none of the experiences that you've mentioned so far have involved, okay, I sat down with my tarot cards and I predicted 9-11. Um, you know, I sat down with mm-hmm. my, uh, you know, dice and I saw that this person was cheating on this other person. You know, I, I mean, all of the psychic experiences that you're talking about have, roots in the more traditional ideas of being that Cassandra, you know, being this, this ability that's inside of you. But then there comes the, the conversation of tools. Now tools 
come with instruction manuals. If I buy a, uh, a deck of tarot, it comes with a book. It tells me how to read these cards. It tells me what the artist intended. Um, it tells me if this card sits next to this card, it typically means this. And if I become very, very skilled at learning uh, what the tarot is, the history behind the tarot, how these cards typically interact in a formulaic mathematical way, I can sit down and I can read somebody's tarot without believing that I have an extra natural gift. Um, so how do you square the circle mm-hmm. of being a professional psychic using tools and still being able to say, I am doing something that, you know, it, it is, is special, is unique, is, uh, you know, worthy of somebody sitting down and paying me, I guess. Right. So, um, I think, I think, I think I know what, I think I know what you're trying to ask me here. I think, um, it's, it's work is itself is very draining. And there was a time when I used to just take people's hands and tell them what was going on with their lives. And I could, I could be really, the challenge is that it becomes a party trick very, very quickly. And all of a sudden you're at a party. It's like, Oh my God, you should see what Courtney does. Go show her your palm. And, you know, then you spend the whole, you spend the whole time getting an influence of messages from these people and then it exhausts you. Um, and so when you're using a tool like cards or dice or something, it's, it's in a way, it's like a buffer so that the cards can do the work for you. And especially if I've got, uh, cause I also work as a phone psychic in addition to, um, taking my, my regular clients and, um, I, it can, after, you know, reading for 15, 20 people, the course of an evening, it can get pretty tiring. And after a while, it's like, I'm not, I'm not going to put myself as the vessel. The cards are going to be the vessel and I'm just going to tell them what I see. So let the cards do the talking. Um, and I've also heard that some people use these tools because it, um, provides a level of, of comfort to people who are coming to the psychic. I know one woman who says that she was taught by her grandmother just to receive messages from spirit. So she would be able to talk to tell people what's going on. And, um, but she said that that was too frightening for people that would sit there to just have this woman just you know speak this way. And so she said she used the, uses the cards as, as kind of a comfort tool for people. And you know, so that they may feel more comfortable with, with, with her receiving a message from the cards as opposed to her potentially receiving a message from a force they can't see. And that to me makes sense. I mean, you know, if, if I have these, these gifts or whatever, mm-hmm. and I just sit here and, and stare at you and all of a sudden t- start telling you your deepest, I, 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 I feel like, you know, maybe that would make me a little more uneasy. It would make me think like, are you a puppet? Is this a hot reading? Right. Is this, you know, what is, is there a demon up your butt with his hand did in you your Google mouth me? going, did you, did you do research on me? That's, that's right. I mean, it, it, it definitely lends itself to the kinds of things that yeah. John Oliver was, was talking about that cold reading techniques, hot reading techniques, things like that. Um, but yes, you know, the, People know what a tarot card looks like. People know what the tarot is. And I think there is less fear over it. Now, if you bust out a Ouija board, I think you might have somebody clutching their pearls. <laughs> Not me. I love me a Ouija board. I have the glow in the dark one from Milton Bradley. I know. I might. I have my, um, I have my purse has a Ouija board on it and I cannot tell you people love it or they're absolutely terrified of it. Now, a lot of teenagers will tell you, your purse is very dangerous. And I'm like, why? Cause I'm going to hit you with it. I don't know. So, <laughs> uh, 
Um, but you know, it's it's to John Oliver's credit, the psychic, the two, the psychics he's talking about really bother me too um, for a number of reasons, and because he's he's right, a lot of them pick out things that are very very general that could apply to any of us. Um, and a lot of times prey on people's emotions. People want, uh, you know, when, the, when you lose someone who passes away, you so desperately want to talk to them, to hear from them. And I know that that was, I actually called a phone psychic myself when a, just this couple of months ago, cause a friend of mine passed away cause I was just distraught and I had $20 and my other, I, I wanted, I, I wanted to talk to someone who didn't know me because I, you know, I, if in my grief, if I, I've got 50 psychic friends who would have happily read for me, but I, I didn't want their empathy to impact the reading. I didn't want them to tell me something nice because they want to make me feel good. I want to talk to someone who really wasn't invested in me personally. And I did speak to a lovely psychic and, and she gave me some information and I don't know if she was right or not, but that moment, it really brought me a lot of peace to know that he, to just with the idea that he might be okay. Oh, sure. But when you've got people who, um, Will really, yeah. When you when you've got people really prey on that kind of grief, it is a a, a very cruel thing. Especially, um, I was really horrified by one of the examples he pointed out, where uh, someone whose daughter was missing. Um, somebody called and said, "I'm a psychic, and I've got information about her. And if you give me three thousand dollars, I'll help you find her." I mean, that turned my stomach. Um, not you know less about like it making psychics look bad, and just honestly, because that's a horrible thing to do to someone. Uh, I mean, truly, if you are a psychic and you have that information, can you just call the cops with that and just, you know, if it just leave the reward alone and just do it because this poor person is suffering so intensely? It's not like I need to know if I'm going to get this job or not. Can you pull out your cards? It is. This is my child. This is mm-hmm. my life. And this life has been taken from me. There's a big difference there. Right. And so <laughs> it's like just, you know, and and I I um. I just um, so I I, can't, I have to say I, I wasn't I, I wanted to speak up on behalf of the, of the entire piece, but I also didn't really have a problem with everything that John Oliver said, and because there are a lot of people out there that maybe they have psychic ability and they're using it to abuse people, or maybe they don't they're not actually using psychic ability and they're complete charlatans. Um, I just listened to this extraordinary podcast called The Gateway about uh, the teal swan phenomenon. Are you familiar with her? I am not, but I am writing it down. It's, it's a wonderful podcast, but it's very frightening because this is a, a young woman. She is, um, you know, she's younger than me and she has uh, established this online um, cult phenomenon with this kind of um, pseudo psychological spirituality thing and then one of the interviews she was sitting down with the interviewer and she said I can see inside your body I can see everything that's going on with you I can see your bones I can see your digestive system I can see that you had wheat this morning and he's like uh yeah okay I ate wheat this morning okay most people had ate wheat that morning okay most people had a piece of toast or some cereal with their breakfast okay so that's not to me any kind of psychic Ability, but honestly, if you if she came across a vulnerable person who really needed to feel understood, they would probably latch on to that. So I don't and know. Then, you know, I, I don't know about giving up. 
I, I don't know anything about the teal swan phenomenon. I will sh- sh- certainly look that up. But what that sounds like to me is yeah. Barnum statements or Forer statements. Um, you know, statements yes. uh, yeah. like, you know, you have a great need for others to like and admire you. Or at times you have serious doubts as to whether you have made the right decision or done the right thing. You know, incredibly general statements that apply to a vast majority of people that you can sit down and yeah. I can put on some robes and I can light some incense and lower the lights and I can put out some cards. And I don't even have to really look at them, but I could say things like at times you're extroverted, affable, social, while at other times you're introverted, wary and reserved. And that person will look at me and say, Oh my God, you know me so well. You're so real. And then they will go off to all their friends and all their family and all their Insta buddies And they will tell everybody how accurate I am because I told them that, you know, you prefer a certain amount of change and variety and become dissatisfied when hemmed in by restrictions and limitations. I mean, everybody, everybody feels this way. Absolutely. You can say things that apply to absolutely everybody. Absolutely. You know, this is Psych 101. You go to a Psych 101 class. I remember the the professor handed out like different sheets of paper to different people. And he was like, you know, I've been monitoring you all for, uh, uh, you know, it was like a mid-semester thing. He's like, I just wanted you to see, you know, sort of uh, what what my master's students are doing. I mean, he couched this and we thought this was like a psychic, uh, 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 psychological evaluation he had done on us. He's like, I just wanted to show you like some of the things that my master's students, you know, do. So I've been kind of monitoring, you know, behaviors and things that I've noticed in you. And he handed out these slips of paper and we all read them and went, holy crap, this guy knows us. And then we all realized that we all had the same sheet of paper. It was different colors, it was different right. fonts, but we all had the same writing on it. <laughs> and then he explained to us what Barnum statements were. And so then, you know, as I got deeper into the pagan community and, and dealt with more people who are psychics and readers and things like that, I realized that a lot of what I was hearing, if I sat down for a reading just at a, a pagan fair or something like that, are these more generalized statements. And it does make me wonder a little bit about the professional psychic, the person that gets a majority of their income from being a psychic, because when you do that, when you charge somebody money, the expectation is a result. Now, that result might be that person feels good and keeps coming back to me, um, but the expectation of the result is that it's accurate, right? So I... I, I I am concerned, and I think you are equally concerned, and I want to have the conversation about if I'm charging for services, there is an expectation of results. And, you know, the way that most businesses make their money is repeat business, people coming back or people telling their friends, referring, Mm -hmm. things like that. How do you square that circle, again, of, you know, charging, needing to charge because I have to pay my bills, um, so needing to mm-hmm. make people feel like they left with a result that makes them want to come back and a result that makes them want to come back. And I'm sorry, I'm talking so much, but I, I feel like I need to explain myself here. A result that makes them want to come back is either I feel you know me so well that I'm going to come back and continue to talk to you or you have given me this sense of dread and I need to keep coming back to you because only you're going to help me figure out this terrible calamity or... You know, you keep hinting at this great thing that's right around the corner, but you just can't quite see everything. And if I come back next week, you might know a little bit more. Um, there's lots of different ways that that expectation of results and repeat business and referrals goes. So how do you 
also as a professional psychic, tarot advisor, navigating the world, making money off of advising people in a psychic realm, how do you make sure that that is all done ethically and how do you interact with the need for repeat business? So I just trust in, um, this is, this is me getting kind of into my own, my own personal faith. I, I trust in my gods that I'm going to be cared for. And so the best thing that I can do is, um, to keep being professional by, um, keeping my appointments, um, giving, giving my client the full attention that I have when I'm with them and then sending them the recording of their reading afterward. That is their product. That the product is my time with them. So, um, and but I don't do things where it's like I where I reach out to them and try to lure them back in because I need to just I, I I do the reading and I let it go. And over time, if the relationship is built and they want to and they want to come back, I welcome them. And if they don't, then then they don't. It's not. And there's there's always going to be another person out there. So it's a different kind of business. And like, I don't need to keep, um, it, you know, where it's my um where, you know, I'm at like my, my doggy daycare where we drop off our puppy there. And then they're like, you got to, you know, Hey, we're, we've got a special on grooming. If you want to come back, Oh, he's going to need another grooming. You got to keep coming back and getting him groomed again. I don't run my business that way. Um, I, my, what I feel people come back to me for is the fact that I'm, I care about them. I'm invested in helping them work through what they're working through, but I'm also not personally invested in their choices this doesn't mean I don't care about them, but it means that if um, they're seeing, you know, they're dating a married person, which is something I, I run across a lot. People will come to a psychic because they're they're dating someone who's married or they're cheating on their spouse and they're incredibly conflicted about it. And they don't want to talk to their friends about it because their friends are going to have judgments. And with me, I'm not invested in what's going to happen with them. It doesn't make any difference to me whether they stay or whether they go or whether they continue the affair or whether they end it. I just tell them what I see happening as if this, you know, if this continues. And I think it's having that space with someone who is like, I'm going to tell you what I see, but this isn't coming from me. So you're not just getting a judgment from another person. You're getting, you're getting insight from something that's outside of us, outside of people that can help you make the decisions that, that you need to make. And if you decide not to listen to the cards, that doesn't mean that doesn't make a difference to me. I'm not going to be angry with you because you didn't take the advice that I that I gave you, Um, you know, and I've also told my my clients, I said, prove me wrong. You know, if they they're really into this person and the cards are saying, I'm not sure this is going to work out. I say, listen, call me from Barbados on your honeymoon and tell me I'm full of shit. I will be delighted for you because honestly, I just want you to be happy. But all I'm saying here is the cards do not like where this thing is going. And I have yet to have somebody call me from Barbados and say, you're full of shit. This is the best person I've ever met in my life. <laughs> it almost happened once. A woman came to me asking for her reading about her relationship and, I, and she was completely in love and the cards were really toxic. I said, I'm not sure about this. Um, the cards are not happy with the situation. And she says, oh, but he's so great. And then she invited me to their wedding. And I went, and it was a beautiful wedding. A year later, they were divorced, and she came back, and she said, well, that reading was right. And I said, <laughs> I'm really sorry. I wanted, I was, I would have been happy to be wrong, because you were a gorgeous bride. And I was, that was one hell of a wedding. I, I remember one time I ate so much. But, <laughs> 
Yeah. So that's that. I feel like that is what my clients come back to me for is that personal time with someone who is not going to judge them and is going to just give them some additional information and tools to make their decisions. And uh, some of the people I've been with, um, I've been reading with for over 10 years and I've seen them um, through affairs, through starting businesses, through court cases, um, through births of children, um, through deaths of family members. And they, they keep coming. I believe they keep coming back because I'm going to listen to them and I'm going to give them what I, information that I can. But I always make sure that that reading, that reading answers all of their questions in that moment. And I don't leave them with any doubts that, that are going to, that, um, would require me to come back and help them with them at a future time. It's like, I'm going to give you everything that I have right now. And if you're leaving with doubts, it's because you're doubting what's going on in your life and you don't need me for that. You got to go figure it out for yourself. And then if there's a new situation, you want to come back and help me, you know, we work on it together. I'm here, but I never leave like, I never leave like a, I guess, um, Oh God, why do I want to say hanging Chad? I think my mind is too much on elections <laughs> these days. <laughs> you, you, you started talking oh, about 9-11 and now your mind is in that early 2000s space. I know, and now I'm back in the, back in the 2000s. Oh, oh come back. Let's, I mean, as bad as things were now. Your um, eyebrows are get, about uh, to get really skinny and you're going to have a lot of butterfly clips. Just so, like, way too many butterfly oh. clips. <laughs> I actually never could do that. My hair was, my hair is too thin. No, I was into the really big, the big giant claw clips that Rachel from Friends wore when she was waitressing. I was totally into those. Those could hold this massive, this massive nest of hair that I have. But basically, I know I never leave carrots on a string like, oh, if you come back, we'll talk about this. I never do that because that would be it. That would mean that I didn't give them what they all that they wanted in this time. So sometimes I have clients that have that they book a full hour with me and they just can't get through all their questions. But that's on them. I don't create questions for them, I guess is what I'd say, where they've got to come back and, and we, we talk more about it. Um, so I, 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 this is a sticky part and this is something that, uh, you know, skeptics of psychics, skeptics of, of, you know, really anybody making a, a claim of having metaphysical abilities, myself included. Um, you know, I, I have some good friends, uh, Ross and Carrie that do this great show. Oh no, Ross and Carrie, where they get involved in cults and people that make, uh, metaphysical, spiritual, supernatural claims, people that, uh, you know, all, all sorts of things. And, you know, they, they spend a lot of their time on the idea of accuracy and testing and being correct and accurate. And I, I, I do have a lot of questions around the accuracy of the information being given, uh, you know, being a professional, there is no governing body. There is no great council that's going to come in. There is no certification that you can put on your wall and say, I have gone through school and I have done this training and I am certified by a governing body that makes sure that these ethics and standards are to be upheld. And if there's something wrong with, with what I'm doing, you know, you can report me and have me, you know, thrown out. Uh, in fact, the, the opposite is true. The most counties, most cities, most places, local ordinance, uh, local locales have ordinances against putting yourself out there for psychic services and things like that, unless you specifically say it's for entertainment value only. Um, mm -hmm. Yep. 
So on the question of accuracy, I, I have a few. Um, the first one being, would you, what are your feelings around submitting yourself for some kind of scientific test to determine accuracy? You know, there's a lot of uh, places out there um, that do offer very large cash rewards if you can prove that your claims of being psychic or having telekinesis or being able to start fires with your mind or, you know, whatever it is that your claim is, if you can prove it, if you can come in and sit down and prove it, they'll give you like a million dollars or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And nobody's ever won. <laughs> there have been a lot, right. lot of people that have tried lots and lots and lots and lots of people that have tried and nobody's ever won. Um, mm-hmm. You know, which makes people that are very skeptical feel like they have a chit in their column, right? That, that uh, you well, nobody's ever won and we were putting it out there and we're giving you a lot of money. And if you can just sit down and prove it, you know, but what are your uh, opinions about sitting down for, for testing or authentication in some kind of way? Um, I personally would not go in that route because I have discovered that the people that are looking for certification are looking for um, such specific or, or so like testing because they're looking for such specific detail that really has no bearing or importance on how a person's life is going. So they might say, well, can you see um, which tire on my car blew when my tire blew last year and on what day was it? And there may be some psychics out there that can do that. And I, I don't feel like my gifts work that way because it's like, I don't think that that really matters. Those, those, that level of specificity, because it's not so much about like the pebbles on the road it's where the road is going, if that makes any sense. Um, so I've seen um, I've, I've and sometimes when I have read for people, um, what I see and the way I interpret it is slightly different than what actually happens. So, for example, a couple of years ago, um, somebody I, I read into the tarot that there was a great deal of like, I saw some riches and resources that were coming a person's way. Um, and I, I interpret that as a promotion because I, and I think I was, you know, making an assumption based on this person's job. And this person's like, well, I didn't get that promotion. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm sorry to hear that. It's like, but I got a raise. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I, I, I erred in how it came to you, but it still did. And there was another time where somebody was was pretty bothered because they said, "Well, you said that he was going to call and he didn't." And I'm and he was going to call on Thursday and he didn't. And I said, "Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that." And she goes, "I got an email from him on Thursday, but don't worry, you're still accurate." And I'm like, "Well, okay, you still heard from him, so my my interpretation of the communication was wrong, but it still came and it still came when I said it would." So sometimes I feel like people's idea of accuracy can be so narrow and it doesn't really matter. Does it matter that he didn't get a promotion when he ended up getting a raise? Did it matter that this woman got an email instead of a phone call? She still heard from him. And so that's where it's kind of like, I, I don't really know that it's in, I'm going to go that route. You know, would I like to make a million dollars? Oh yes, I absolutely would. But I also feel like people will sometimes will often move the markers on psychics Mm -hmm. in order to prove them wrong. You know, it's like you couldn't be you're you're completely inaccurate. It's like, well, I 
wasn't completely inaccurate, but you just moved the goalposts on me because you were looking for something of specificity that really isn't, doesn't really matter to the whole situation. You know, and I've had people sit down and test me before. I remember a couple of years ago, I had this man sit down with me and he goes, all right, I've seen this on TV and I'll never forget my reading for him. I looked at him and I looked at the cards and I said, um, you haven't been working for a while because you were given a large sum of money, but you're running through this money very, very fast. And you play to the world that you are very happy, but when you're alone, you cry. And if you don't stop what you're doing, you're going to wake up one morning and you're going to be in your own vomit and all of this is going to be gone. And he looked at me and he's like, this isn't what I saw on television. And I said, I'm just telling you what I see. And he's like, there's no way you could have known that I have this money. And he walked, he got up and walked away. And the the latter part of that reading, I, I I feel perhaps goes with what you with what your concerns were before about like yeah a lot of us look happy up front but then we cry privately but the specificity of that first part of that reading that you know the cards specifically said this guy isn't working but this guy's got money mm-hmm. so it's like someone must have given it to him right and so you know and um and then the other cards were showing a very lavish partying lifestyle not someone who was like working hard to invest the riches that he had. And so it was easy for me to deduce based on these things that this is not going to last. And I did not see any other cards saying you've got another, another ship coming in. So, um, so, you know, those, those moments happen too where people come to me to test me and then I terrify them and they walk away. So there is no, there is no Hogwarts. There is no Ilvermorny. There is no Professor Trelawney making sure that we all understand the basics of, of being a psychic. There's no final exam <laughs> that you have to pass. There's no diploma. Um, so, you know, from a client perspective, there is nothing that a person can look to to say, I mean, I guess other than if you put yourself on Yelp or something <laughs> and let other people review you. Right. Um, you know, there is and nothing. And I do. I'm, I'm on Yelp. I'm going to go give yeah. you five stars. <laughs> you should give me five stars. There was one woman who was really angry with me. And um, and you'll see it on there. She said that I was the worst psychic ever because I told her her relationship had promise. And then her relationship ended the, like a few days later. And and I wrote back to her and I said, well, you know, I was inspired. I mean, th- just because the relationship ended didn't mean it didn't have promise. Relationships take people to make them work. And so this relationship could have had promise and the other person bail anyway, you know, and um, and I don't remember if she asked me point blank, are we going to break up? I remember her asking me, you know, is this a good relationship? And I remember and according to what I don't remember the reading, but according to what I told her, I said it was. But people leave good relationships all the time. So I don't think that that means that my reading wasn't accurate. I don't remember what she you know, it depends on what she asked me. Right? Because okay. I've seen people walk away from fantastic relationships all the time. So, so the skeptic so. in me, so the skeptic in me wants to, to bounce back and, and that, and now I don't know the particular set of circumstances around that, but let's just, let's move it into a realm of hypothetical and say, okay, so you tell somebody that your relationship has promise, right? And that's kind of Barnum statement-y. I mean, it, you know, oh, well, sure, just because the relationship mm-hmm. in it doesn't mean it doesn't have promise. Well, but all relationships have promise, right? I mean, they all do. They are all... Well, some don't. Some do not. Well, but all, yeah, all interactions have... The, but but promise can be interpreted as the potential to continue, the potential to make you happy. All, all relationships at least have a potential, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's at least some potential that you can apply to it. And like I said, it's it's kind of Barnum statement-y. Um, but you've even said that as well. So... 
I think the, the skeptic in me says, you've told me you accurate, accurately predicted 9-11, but you couldn't see that they broke, they were going to break up in a few days. And I, I'm not challenging you, your gifts or anything like that, but I'm saying that whenever criticisms are laid against professional psychics, this is the kind of thing that they point out. They say, well, you can, you claim that mm-hmm. you can make these big, massive predictions about these huge events that other people, you know, other people who will say, you know, that other psychics will say they're frauds. <laughs> um, you know, other people will say, well, how, you know, of course, of course you predicted 9-11. Of course you predicted that Obama was going to win. Of course you predicted that, you know, because it's a huge event, there's really no way of testing that and so on and so forth. But the skeptic says, she's sitting down, she's having a reading, it's about her relationship, you say it has promise, did you really not see anything that it was ending, did you not think that that was important to tell her, did you just not see it? Um, you know, and that gets into the realm of, of accuracy, of, of ethics, of the need for return business, I mean, you know, how do you, how do you... How do you put that together? How do you say, well, I don't see that, I see your relationship has promise. And also, I mean, you know, there's a legitimate, there's a legitimate bounce back there. You know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. we just had a meeting. It's about my relationship. It ends a few days later. Right. You know, and, and to be fair, I, I don't remember exactly what she asked me. So I'm looking and, um, and she, um, and I, I have to actually have to reread that. Did she say it ended a few days later? Or was it a few months later? I don't remember exactly what she said in the, in the, um, in, um, in the criticism. Um, I mean, there are times, of course, I was wrong. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, people, it doesn't mean that because you're a psychic that you are never incorrect, right? I mean, I think everybody in any profession occasionally makes a mistake. You know, even if they are ethical and they're good at what they do, they're not always going to be perfect. Right. And I'm also um, I don't remember what she asked me about. You know, did she say that this is this is a guy I'm going to marry? And did I say yes? And I don't think I said that, um, you know, because she didn't say she said, oh, she promised me I'd marry this guy and that we broke up. She you know, she said, does she probably asked me, you know, is this guy worth my time? And when I looked at the cards, I said, yeah, you know, this has promise here. So um and I, I do hear what you're saying. And I do hear that it's like, um, you know, how, how could, how could I be right about this and, and wrong about this? And I think it's, I think it also depends on, well, what did she specifically ask me? Did she say, are we never going to break up? And I said, no, you're never going to break up. And then they did. Or did she ask me something more general? And I respond, therefore I responded with a more general, with a more general response, you know? Well, and, and that's fair. I mean, you know, uh, I, I did, I did pick up earlier that you record your readings. Was this not one that you recorded? I do. Then? I, I did record it. I did send it to her. Yes. Yes. So she listened to it and came back later even more angry. And I, you know, I, I also, um, I have compassion for her because when you do lose someone, you want to blame someone. And I felt like she wanted to blame me. Because her relationship didn't work out. I didn't have anything to do with her relationship not working out. But I understand that it's like, you know, if you had been, if you had told me he was going to break up with me, I could have prevented it. Well, no, I don't know that she could have prevented it. I mean, it doesn't mean that you're, you know, he wanted to leave. He wanted to leave. Right. Even if the relationship had promise. 
Um, so, uh, you know, and I, 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 you, you mentioned earlier, you know, you tell somebody that this relationship isn't going to work out and then you say, prove me wrong, you know, call me from Barbados. So, you know, if, if you're in the business of making predictions and you are proved wrong, how do you react? You know, somebody comes to you and says, or, or do you, do you avoid specificity so as, <laughs> as never to be truly proved wrong. I know that you said earlier that, that, uh, you know, scientific testing tends to get very granular. And I like what you said about the idea of it's not necessarily about the pebbles in the road. It's where they lead. Um, and I like that. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. think that that speaks to my understanding of how culturally these, these gifts are purported to work and, and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. It's, it's less about the details and more about the bigger picture. And I, I respect that. I, I can agree with it to a, a large extent, but you know, do you, do you get into, to details? I mean, if, if you are proved wrong, I mean, obviously the big one on John Oliver's was somebody says that, that a guy's dead and then he turns around and says, Nope, not dead. I'm right here. <laughs> you know, if, if you're proved yeah, wrong, that was pretty, do you welcome that? Was pretty that? Upsetting. I do welcome that. And, um, I've had a very few, a couple of times people have come to me and said, you know, it, and it comes, ends up being more like granular details about what was wrong. Like I said, the, the woman who came to me and she said, well, you were wrong. He didn't call me. He emailed me. And I said, okay, well, I was wrong about how he contacted you, but he did contact you. So, um, I do welcome when people tell me that something was, was, was incorrect. And I think it's, it's, but I don't get that a lot. I don't get a lot of people coming back and saying this was completely off, but I do get into specifics as much as the, the, um, client wants. And most of the time people do want specifics. You don't want to leave just with a general reading like, Oh, things are going to go really well for you. You're going to have some troubles, but you're going to surmount them. I don't want a reading like that. I don't want to give a reading like that. I like to give more specifics. Um, and, um, um, but I, I don't get a lot of people that say that I was completely off. Now, this idea of looking at a photograph and getting a psychic read from that, I don't do that <laughs> um, for a couple of reasons. It's that, you know, I also believe that, you know, I know I'm still human and I'm going to put my own layer of judgment on a tool like that. Now, with the tarot, I've got a different relationship. I've worked for many years to let that be a portal for something else. And because the, the, um, the cards, I've been looking at those same cards for so long, I'm not going to put this overlay of, I'm looking at this picture of this person and I think I know who they are based on this photo. I'm looking at cards that I've seen, you know, hundreds of times. Um, so this is my own, um, you know, so I've got that relationship there, but I would never look at a, a photo and, say to someone, oh, this person is dead and they died a horrible way because I just don't believe that that, I mean, my gifts don't work that way. They just don't. And I don't really know anyone who do. And I think it's a pretty, and everybody that I've seen do that has, has always been really into their own projections. And so I'm, there may be something going on where we're looking at a human face and we can't help but make some kind of judgment about it. Um, whereas when we're looking at an object or a set of tarot cards, that layer of judgment is removed is the only thing that I could, I could really explain why, why that, why that happens the way that it does. But, um, you know, I, um, I was glad that that woman was called out because some, I don't think like somebody should be making those kind of practices. What if that person was, um, 
a relative of the person in that photograph and they really want to hear that their person died in such a hor- horrific way. Like, ugh, you know, I mean, there's some things I don't want to, to read on people about. I remember a woman came to me and she um, said her parents had been murdered and she wanted me to read on why. And I told her, I'm sorry, I'm not, I can't go there with it, with this. And the reason for it was that the help that she needed was beyond my capacity to assist her because I didn't feel like, that that at that point was the realm of a counselor, you know, or someone who could real or grief counselor in particular, or someone could work with trauma, and that is something that I'm not going to go there. Even if the information I saw was accurate, I am not going to give that to her because I am not equipped to help her work through that. So there are certain things that I'm like, I'm not going there with you, because I what no matter what you hear from me, you're going to need help that I can't give you, and if I can't do that for you, you've got to this this that would be unethical of me to go there. So turning to clients and the client experience, how does a client spot a fraudulent person? Like what are some warning signs from a client perspective that I'm sitting down, I'm paying my money and this person is not on the up and up. I get a lot of people that come to me for reading saying that, that um, they saw a storefront psychic who um, said that they have a curse placed on them and that they need another $300 to release it. And I've gone to psychics that have told me that same thing saying you, someone put a curse on you when you were, when your mom was pregnant with you and now you need to burn, you need to burn all these candles. And if you do it, give me $300, I'll do it for you. So that's a pretty common psychic scheme. And um, a lot of, and, I, I do believe that curses can exist, but I also think that they're pretty uncommon. And so a lot of times people come to me and I'll look at the cards and I'll say, no, you don't have a, you don't have a curse on you. <laughs> or, okay, you've, you've got, you've run into some bad habits, which are feeling like a curse, but nobody, you do not need to pay someone $300 to do it. You can, you can, you know, you can take care of this on your own by either, you know, by either praying on it or making some changes, getting to therapy and you, can, you will get out of the cycle. Mm-hmm. So I think those are two of the, that that is i think is the number one way of people preying on them is like you get them in the door you give them some information if you say if you give me more money i can do more for you yeah if you if you give me $300 to break your curse i'm going to go down to aldi i'm going to spend 50 cents on some salt i'm going to take the other $299.50 and take myself to the spa <laughs> right Right. You know, so that's, 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 that's the big warning. And also I think when people are way too general, um, like you said before, the kind of, um, the Barnum statements, um, and I've had readings like that before where people assume, um, because I'm a witch, they're like, your problem is because people don't accept you. And it's like, no, that's not my problem. I'm not worried about that. You know, it's like, so I think this, if the statements are way too broad and too general, that's 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 a warning sign. But I think the bigger warning sign is as soon as you're in the door, are they trying to solicit more funds from you? Mm. You know, or do they? And I've seen plenty of psychics that just the best ones that I've seen are the ones that just give me their time in that time and are completely attentive to my questions and give me the best information that they can. So. so- some fun stuff because you and I feel like over the last several years have bonded over your very hilarious <laughs> tweets regarding interactions with clients and some of right. the interesting and uh, humorous ways in which they <laughs> reject advice or ask you uh, hilarious questions or something like that. Um, so let's talk about, you know, okay, 
we've established we are the ethical psychic. We are the professional, uh, you know, soothsayer and we are doing everything ethically and we are good and we are accurate and we are all of the good things. So now I want to talk about being the psychic and having clients. How do you deal with folks who are just not listening to you? Because some of my very favorite things are a Courtney Weber tweet regarding somebody who just won't listen to her. <laughs> you know, I'm like I said, I remain uninvested in a person's choices. Um, I care about them and I want them to be happy. That's the that's the most. But it's I. I do not, um, lots of times in, in Al-Anon and also lots of therapy mean that I worked on my codependency issues. So if, um, <laughs> if someone, um, doesn't, um, doesn't listen to me, I don't care. You know, that's, that's on them. It's their life. It's their choice and they're free to do with it what they will. My job is only to tell them what I see in the cards and it's up to them on whether they want to take that advice or not. Um, I think the only time where I really like roll my eyes or raise my eyebrows is when they're, their um their question really answers it themselves. Um I think one of them I, I and I, I never I make this clear, I never tweet about my individual clients who come to me personally. Uh, my my tweets come from my phone psychic my phone psychic clients <laughs> that um that's where I get some very, very strange uh, questions. I remember once a woman called and she said uh, she was married, her boyfriend was married, it was not an open relationship and um, he had just gotten his wife pregnant and she and her husband were moving out of the country. Was this relationship going to work? And my response is, oh yes, let me take a look at the cards and see how that's going to go. Like, that's <laughs> 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 like, like, I'm like, I, I don't know that I need to bust cards out and tell you this is not going to work. I feel like as soon as I turn... I move from being Glenda the Good Witch to Dan Savage and just say, all right, listen, <laughs> just based on what she just told me, I don't know that you need a reading on this. Um, or a woman that called and was like, will he ever leave his wife for me? And the cards all came up. Absolutely no. I said, no, he's never going to leave his wife. And she said, well, 12 other psychics told me he would, so you're wrong. And then she hung up. And I said, okay, then keep calling number 13. I hope it works out for you. But if you have to keep calling psychics, then – you know, maybe, maybe this relationship is, is already speaking for itself. Maybe I am the one psychic who was wrong out of that whole mess, but I kind of doubt it. She keeps calling people. They keep telling her it's going to work, which I guess also raised the same question before about accuracy. But, um, or maybe she was making that up and had no, she hadn't called anyone. She just wanted to she lash out at me because she was angry that I told her <laughs> that he wasn't going to leave her. But I will tell you something working as a phone psychic, I can tell you that um, young women don't need to worry as much about other women coming to take their husbands. <laughs> it's once you pass set that you need to start looking at your girlfriends because older women are ruthless. It's really funny. Like I'll, I'll hear from young women that feel so terrible because they're dating with a married man and they're crying and they, they're just going through all these, these agonizing feelings and, and, then I'll, the next call is a woman who's 68 saying, yeah, is, is she ever going to die or is he ever going to leave her? Because I'm 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 freaking lonely. I'm done. And then the next one's the same thing. It's another crone. She wants to know, is he ever going to leave his wife? You know, like <laughs> they're ruthless. They're absolutely ruthless once you pass 65. So <laughs> I mean, it's great. That's what I want to be. But I want to be a 65-year-old <laughs> black widow, all in black, attending my, my, well, not my mistress's, what's my, what's my boyfriend's funeral? 
I'm collecting my millions yeah, and going off to Barbados. Oh no, it's yeah, it it's it's pretty it's it's pretty <laughs> The me. mistress standing uh, in the back ominously with my black umbrella going, Yep, can't wait till they read that will <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So it's, but I also, um, I think that one of the things that like things like psychic hotlines really can offer people is, um, and I had somebody uh, come at me on Twitter and say, you know, if you want to help people, you know, go get, go, go become a therapist or study psychiatry. And that's fair. It's also important to remember that therapy is really expensive and it is not accessible to everyone. Um, I know when I was, um, really down on my luck and I need to see a therapist cause I was going, you know, I was having some kind of having a real emotionally challenging time. Um, there were free therapists through the city of New York, but getting an appointment was nearly impossible mm-hmm. or the appointments that they offered were when I was during my work hours. And that doesn't, um, that, that, so just saying, go be a therapist. Okay. Yeah, I could do that. I could. Um, but then I would also be cutting off a lot of access to people who really just need someone to talk to. And that's oftentimes what I get when I'm on the psychic line is that somebody may cannot afford $200 to talk to a therapist, but they can afford $20 to talk to me for 15 minutes. And they just need to be, just need to be heard. You know, some, a lot of times with my psychic work, I don't do a lot of the talking. The person just, just needs someone to hear them. You know, and one person was even embarrassed. She said, I just feel so badly that I'm calling a stranger. I just need someone to listen. And so one of the things that I responded to John Oliver is to say, you know, is, is psychic work always a hundred percent accurate? Well, nothing's a hundred percent accurate, but there's a service here of, of being available to people that is, you know, is, is necessary. And we, we're in a time where people are really scared and stressed out and they just need to connect with someone. And sometimes that person's a psychic. Is psychics the answer to everyone? No, but it is the answer to some people. And it's just, and that's where I feel like my work really is, is simply showing up and being there, you know, for the people who, who need someone just to talk to. And that's where, where you, you know, what is the service about? That for me, that's what that really is. Um, so when a client doesn't buy into your particular method of divination, how do you react? You know, if, if you're sitting down with somebody and you lay out tarot cards and do you ever get a client that says, oh, you know what? Do you have to use tarot cards? I believe, um, Satan actually licks every single tarot card before it's put into a box and mailed to you. So I can't uh, let you read to me with tarot cards. Um, I mean, do you, do you have, I, I, I found people, yeah, I found people who tend to reject it if they don't like the reading. And a, a number, number of years ago, I was actually reading at a party and a young woman came over and sat down and, um, I wasn't in a very professional mode. So I was kind of acting a little wild and crazy. And, um, and I remember reading for her and I put out the cards and out there and I said, what are you doing? You're so talented and you're letting that one man control you. And her friends all went like, oh, and I didn't know this woman. I never seen her before. She wasn't with anybody at the party. So it wasn't like I was observing her with her boyfriend over in the corner. She came by herself with her friends and she sat down to, she came to me for her reading. And I told her outright, this is, this is, this is a problem. You know, you're, you are being 
contained by someone who wants to possess you when you have far more gifts that you need to get out in the world. And then she then she pedaled back and she goes, well, I'm a Christian. I don't believe in these things. And I said to her, well, you came to me. And these are Christian symbols, by the way. So that's fine. You can ignore it. But don't don't fool with me and say you're going to reject this because it's not your religion. You walked over to me to see what the cards had to say. And then one of her friends told me that she was actually a Juilliard graduate um, in theater. So she was an actress and she had gotten involved with an older man who was in charge of a theater company who was doing exactly what I'd said. It was trying to control her career so that he could keep her close by because he was into her sexually, that sort of thing. And um, that they had been trying to tell her to get away from him for a very long time. And she wouldn't listen to them and she wasn't going to listen to me. And so that's when she put behind the sheen of, you know, I'm I don't believe in these tarot cards. But I feel like it's actually more of the reverse is that I'll get people that will tell me. I remember, I'll never forget this. This one man came up to me and he said, I don't agree with you. Anything that you believe in or the way you live your life. And I said, okay. And his, we met because, um, I was a Wiccan priestess and that weekend I was doing a Wiccaning for, um, my goddaughters. And so he said, I don't want to have anything to do with that. And I just believe that it's wrong. And I said, okay, if you believe that blessing babies is wrong, that's, that's your prerogative. And he just kept telling me, I just, you know, everything about you, I do not stand for. And I said, okay, that's also your prerogative. And then he said, but that tarot reading you gave me was awesome last time. Can I get another one this weekend? And I said, no. Because <laughs> you don't, you have, a, you have such a problem with me. We don't, I don't need to spend time with you. Why would you come to me to, to get information when everything about me you feel is wrong? So I think you should find another reader. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so what should a client do? So you've read for the client and you, I mean, it, you record these readings and you give them to, how do you get them? Do you like email them to them or, or is there like a USB drive? Them, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I said I, I use QuickTime, QuickTime player and email them an MP3. Gotcha. So you send a client home. What should a client be doing after the reading? What is some self care, some self, uh, uh, you know, analysis that a client should be doing after they receive a, a psychic reading? You know, that's a really, really good question. Um, I think, um, um, I think it's, you know, Listen, take note of what really stuck with you and then honestly let it go. Um, because the reading will manifest around you. It's just, but if you sit there and you're completely paralyzed by it, then, then the, then the world is, is not going to come to you or if you're going to be so. Then also being mindful of how these things manifest. I know for um, a couple of years ago, I did a reading for myself. Um, about, uh, it was just a general reading and the final card in the reading said that, um, was the magician. The magician is, um, a person who is a, um, a communicator and an orator, but is also, um, and it can be very magical. It can also be kind of a trickster is not, not necessarily, um, the greatest person in romance. I didn't really know that about the magician at the time. I just knew them as being as really great communicator. And, um, I think if I had clung too much and I just read it and said, okay, there's a magician coming through. And I just went on about my day and I didn't think about it again. Um, and then a guy asked me out later that evening and I said, sure, I accepted the date. Um, I think, but he was not someone that I would have considered a great communicator because he was a, um, uh, you know, he was a kind of more of a technical person. He wasn't a writer. Um, you know, he well, didn't have a whole lot to say. Um, it was kind of quiet. Um, 
if I had been like, well, no, I can't spend my time with him because I'm looking for someone who's more of a communicator like the magician, I would have missed out on that opportunity you know, to get to know this person. But I went out on a date with him anyway, and he pulls out a book and he's showing me what he's reading. And he was using the magician tarot card as a bookmark. And I was like, oh, so that's how the magician's coming in. This person identifies this card as his as his tarot card for life, which is what he told me. He goes, this is my card. I really I, I live by this card. And so it was a different manifestation than what I ultimately had interpreted it as, but it was still correct. Um, and ultimately, he ended up not being a very good person to date. So now when I when the magician comes up in my readings for people, um, I say, yeah, I'm not as fond of this of this card in your romance readings for these reasons. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but, you know, I'm one of those I'm one of those people, you know, with with yourself as the client. <laughs> I'm one of those people that's mm-hmm. like. I can, I feel confident that I can use my experience and, and knowledge and gifts to read for somebody else. I cannot read for myself. What is the hang up that, mm-hmm. what's my hang up? What's wrong with me, Courtney? Tell me, tell me how to fix it. Why can't I read right. for myself? Well, I, I actually wrote a whole book on that called Tarot for One, How to Read for Yourself. I know, that's so why if I'm you read my book. Because <laughs> you literally wrote the book. Yeah. I wrote the book. So um, I think it's because we it's hard to get past seeing what we want to see or even um, being afraid of seeing our own success. So say, for example, I'm really, really nervous about um, how a book is going to turn out, what people receive it. And if I pull some cards and they're all really good cards, I might be so nervous. I'm going to reject that and say, no, that, that can't be right because there's too many things wrong with this. Right. Or alternatively, I'd say, am I just seeing that these cards look good when they're not? You know, so there are some exercises that I offer through the book where um, one of which you just go ahead and tell the tarot what you think is going to happen. So you you go through the deck and you not randomly, you deliberately select the cards and lay them out that um, that makes sense to you. So let's say like, okay, I think this book is is shit. So I'm pulling out a card that looks like shit and I'm putting that there. I'm taking out another card that looks like really, really hard pain painful work because that's what I'm feeling right now and I'm putting that one there so here tarot here's how things are going and how is it going to turn out to pull out the meanest nastiest credit card I can find and I'm putting that one too because I think everyone's going to hate it all right tarot here's what I think things going to happen now you tell me what's really going to happen so once you've got that on the table then you can draw three more cards at random and then hear the tarot's opinion and the tarot might say yeah you're working pretty hard but you're actually doing a good job or you might get a card that says has some conflict, but an overall positive outcome and say, yeah, you're going to get some people who don't like it, but you're going to get a lot more people who do, you know, and then it was regards to the book as shit. You're saying oh, the book is a, is a work in progress. It's not great right now, but it's going to get there. You know, cards might say if that makes any sense. So yeah, that's what or, or the cards might do. say, yes, but you're I, absolutely correct. This is terrible. Please stop doing this. <laughs> I have had that. I have had that as well, where they're like, no, it's crap. It's really bad. <laughs> this is not going well for you. Yeah. So um, that's what that's what I've got. Um, okay. So how do you deal with a client who lies? You know, that's so funny. I had this happen a number of years ago, and um, it was really frustrating. It left me questioning my psychic skills for a few years. Again, it's always about infidelity. Um, so before I moved to New York City, I sat down and read for all my friends just to feel like make sure that they got their readings in. And this one guy sat down and 
I had all these cards that said he was keeping secrets. And I said, there's something you're not saying. There's something, there's a secret you're keeping you don't want to say. There's something. And he looks at me and he goes, no, no, I'm really happy. I'm happy with my life. All I wanted to be was a husband and a father, and that's what I am. And I said, okay, but there's still something you're just not saying. And he kept saying, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And I said, all right. Well, found out a little while later, he had a mistress that he'd had for a very long time. So he did have a secret. He had a very big secret. And so he was outright lying to me, saying, no, I have no secrets. Everything's out in the open. You're full of shit. <laughs> so I remember looking back and saying, well, I was right. And he was he was not telling the truth. But I remember walking away from that reading feeling like maybe I'm not cut out for this. I'm really seeing something wrong. You know, but um, uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, what the purpose of a client lying would be. Because ultimately they're only lying to themselves. Because right. I don't have, again, I don't have a stake in what happens with them. So if they, you know, want to tell me, no, like everything's going fine with my boyfriend, and you know, and I'm saying I, I think there's a problem here, you know, and then that's on them. So I, uh, I, I want to know. Is there anything that has ever made you doubt yourself? What do you do when you doubt yourself? Well, I mean, that, that one reviewer on Yelp hit me pretty hard because <laughs> that was, but I think that was what helped me was trying to remember what she asked me. Uh-huh. And it came down to, did she ask me, will I be with this man forever? And did I say yes? And, and you've never and gone back to like listen to the MP3 or anything? Um, I did not because she didn't use her real name on the Yelp review, so I don't know who she was. Well, that sucks for her. <laughs> that sucks for her, right? Yeah. And so, um, then I was like, well, maybe this woman just came around just to, to screw with me. Maybe I don't remember, you know, actually, because I, I was sitting here and I was like, do I even remember this woman? Like, who, what she, what was said? Um, you know, so that, that did screw with me for a while. And, um, but I also just have to give myself some grace and just say, I, I'm not here to, to prove myself as a, as a legitimate psychic. I know what I am. I know that psychic moments exist and I know that people believe in them because that's why they keep coming. So the best that I can do is give people the time and tell them what I see and they can take it or they can leave it. And I also know that I have been very, very accurate on things that, um, had, you know, that, that have really helped people, but also have been so accurate that it has scared them and they don't want to, do, they don't want to do terror ever again, which is, <laughs> you know, maybe possibly hurting my own business in the end. <laughs> um, but I also remember that everybody has a bad day, you know, um, uh, like a really great chef can really screw up on chopped. Okay. You know, and, um, I mean, even a doctor can misdiagnose something and I don't want to make myself sound like I'm on par with a medical professional because I really, really do not. But I think I remember everybody in every profession is going to make a mistake. For some reason, it's that psychics are expected to be a hundred percent accurate and perfect all the time, or they're not worth having as a resource. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's fair either because we're not promoting ourselves as supernatural humans promoting ourselves as humans that have an ability that can be very helpful. Well, you, you aren't, you You aren't promoting yourself as a superhero. There are folks and John Oliver did a great 
job of highlighting those kinds of folks who are promoting themselves as some kind of superhero. So it's important to... Again, you want to to talk about like a super... Yeah. Uh, That's where I was... I, you know, I responded to him saying not all psychics are frauds. I didn't say psychics are not frauds. Right. So, because there are fraudulent psychics. There are fraudulent insurance people and there are fraudulent medical people. Absolutely. And there is there are frauds in every industry, and you know you're right. There isn't a way to regulate psychic phenomenon, um, and so there isn't a way to regulate whether somebody is <clears throat> honest and reputable or not. I think that the way to determine it is how do they conduct their business? Do they put carrots and sticks? Do they um, cr- do they um, frighten people into coming back for more? You know, or do they do they prey on the vulnerable? Those are the, the telltale signs of a psychic fraud, but you've got, you know, 99% of the people out there doing psychic work who simply want to be helpful. So, Courtney, Courtney, if, I think it's just us here, right? Nobody's listening to this. If folks want to get in touch with you, nobody. <laughs> if folks want to get in touch with you, how do they do it? Well, on my website, it's um, CourtneyAWeber.com. Um, and I've got, um, that's where you can contact me if you want to get a reading. I also blog. Um, I have a podcast if you're interested in, in more about living as a witch that I, I, I co-host with two of my very, very good friends. And, um, I've got a number of events coming up. I'm in Fort Myers, Florida today, and I'm doing a work on spell magic. Um, I've got a couple of speaking engagements in Portland, Oregon this month. I will be, um, in, uh, New York City in early May doing a couple of events, um, as well as Myrtle Beach, South Carolina later in May. I'll be back in New York in July. And then I'll be at the Ninefold Festival in Hinsdale, um, uh, Massachusetts, um, in early September. So you can see all of my events on, uh, my, uh, on my website. And also you can find me on Twitter at the Coco Witch. And I tweet regularly. I'm also on Facebook and, um, I spend way too much time on social media, so that's probably the best way to reach me there. But definitely check out my website. And, and the um, name of your podcast is? Right? It's called That Witch Life. Perfect. Um, yeah, so then- we'll be on iTunes soon. Right now you can find us on our website, thatwitchlife.com. We're still working to get out. We're very, very new, so we're still trying to get things up and rolling. I was going to say, because you said you had a podcast, and I was like, I went to iTunes, and I was going to try to be a good interviewer and listen to a few episodes so I could be informed, and I was like, I can't find it, so I didn't listen to it. I'm sorry. I know. We're having soon. We're getting our we're getting our intro music um, recorded, which is why we're waiting. So once we have that, then we can put everything up online. So, But in the meantime, you can find our episodes on our website, which is at thatwitchlife.com. Perfect. Courtney, thank you so much for coming on the, uh, on the riot. I, I, I hope that people find this to be a good resource. Um, you know, talking about, uh, you know, recognizing the ethical side of being a psychic. And I love what you said there at the end about, you know, that this is a resource, a tool. These are that m- most people out there are just trying to, to give service back to their community. Sure. They make some money off of it, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a service as much as anything else. And I think at the end of the day, that's a good, um, you know, place to walk away from the conversation. 
on. Uh, so thank you so much for being on the show. Rioters, if you want to uh, hear more from Courtney, please go uh, like, so rate, subscribe to her podcast once once it gets up on anywhere that you can <laughs> like, rate, and subscribe to it. Uh, see her on her website. Go interact with her on social media. If you want to interact with me on social media, uh, I am uh, at inside. I forgot myself. <laughs> I'm at Inciting a Riot on Twitter. Uh, you can like the um, Inciting a Riot Facebook page. You can find me on Facebook. I'm Firelight, F-I-R-E-L-Y-T-E. Uh, the website is InsidingAriot.com. Lots of blogging been happening there. Uh, iTunes, Google Play, lots of other places for you to stream the show. You can go there, like, rate, subscribe on iTunes, let other people know that you liked the show. Uh, I'm going to leave you. Um, but as always, I will leave you with love and light. Firelight.